Hello and welcome to another episode of Cardcast in Conversation with Series. In this episode, I'll be talking to Woken Academy's Ryan Dent. Ryan, welcome to the show. Um, did you want to kick off by telling us a bit more about your role within the Academy? Yeah, good evening. Um, so yeah, my role is, um, basically I'm the head of the under-9s, under-16s in the R Academy um, and also the assistant academy manager under Scott Harrison. So um, yeah, basically I've, I need to look after, or my job is to look after all the youngsters and make sure that we've got good quality coming through into the uh, full-time academy that we've got and then obviously to work with Scott um, to get boys into the first team. And it's a lot of age groups isn't it? I think when we were talking before, it's, it, tell us how many it is, it's from quite a young age up isn't it? it we start under nines but we've actually started doing drop-in se- uh, drop sessions now for even younger age groups in under sevens, under eights so we're, um, we're starting very young but I think that's the that's the key to try and get boys in early and especially local boys because if we don't you know, they don't, you know, if they don't get to the first team or, or into our academy, at least we're helping their development. And they are local boys as well. So we're doing our bit for the community. And is that, how do they kind of come a part of the academy at that young age? Is, is it through kind of being scouted or do they come to trials and, and come through that system? Yeah, well, it used to be a case of just holding trials every summer. But over the last 18 months, we try to... It's, um, make our recruitment a little bit more wider spread and we, we only again we, we look at local players but we, that's slightly bigger now we look into like the areas of Farnham and Badshot Lee and um, slightly further away but most of the boys are local but it's, it's a mixture of trials boys that get sent to us from ca- uh, academies that get released so we get a lot of boys from local clubs like Wimbledon and uh, Charlton and places like that um, and then we've got loads of boys that play for local clubs like Meadow Sports and Mayford and you know all those clubs that surround the football club so it's a mixture um, but we do try and get the best quality that we can but again we don't want to be getting boys at too far afield because then we might miss a boy that's underneath our notes so yeah we try and get the local players but it's a mixture of recruitment strategy for us. How many players do, I mean, just thinking of, you know, from a lot of fans' positions, they don't really understand how the academy thing works, not just at Woking, but kind of further afield, I guess. And we've kind of seen it with interviews. I think Sam Evans was one of them saying he got released from a, from another academy and, and then signed for, for the Woking one. How, you know, a high percentage of players coming through kind of get released by the football league teams and, and then drop back into a club like Woking's academy? As the as they get older, the more and more it happens. Um, for example, like the under 15s and under 16s, I would say a good 30 or 40 percent of them are made up of boys that have been in clubs. Um, and then our academy is probably even more than that's probably about 60 percent. So, it, as the boys get older, I think that's when they the clubs start to look further afield and they get boys that can stay over and they educate within the clubs. We had a boy under 14s last year that was signed at Chelsea. Um, so you know, his life's completely different now. He educates out the club. He's no longer at his school anymore. So it's completely different for him. I think when they're younger, obviously they don't, you know, they have more local boys. Um, I think that's the difference. But when they get older, that's when we start to get the boys that have come out of clubs. Again, most of them are local still. Sam Evans obviously went to Winston Churchill, but he was at Brighton. So, you know, he was travelling down there three times a week, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a hell of a lot of commitment for the boys. Um, and I think it does take, it takes its toll on them. And I think um, that's why sometimes to have a step back into a local club that will look after you. And, and that's one of the things we say, you know, we have a lot of boys that do come out clubs, but it, sometimes you take that step back and the opportunities to get into maybe our first team or our under 23s might be sooner than if you were at a, you know, a category three academy. And then, then you've got opportunities to go back into the football league because you've shown that you can do it at that level. So, um, you know, it's sometimes it's not such a bad thing to take a step back. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's kind of the message that comes through. I think a lot of the players that have signed on and um, kind of done the interviews and, and we've been able to see that a little bit. So it's, it's definitely good to see it. And as you say, for the local boys as well, it's uh, obviously means probably a little bit more to them as well, which is uh, brilliant. Um, I know you mentioned kind of uh, Scott Harrison earlier. A lot of listeners might, might be quite familiar with him as I know he's kind of popped up. Um, but I think arguably he's probably one of Woking's biggest signings over the past few years. Um, how do you find working with him and, and how important is he for the success of the academy? He will absolutely love that you've said that, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he won't forget that. Um, yeah, of course, you know, I think the amount of hours he puts in, people don't recognise, or don't, not that they don't recognise, but I think they don't know. I think, you know, our results and what we've won over the last three or four years maybe hasn't been as good as what it's been historically, but actually the amount of players that have got into the first team, whether that be training or had a little sniff of it and gone out on loan and then maybe not come back, but still playing at a good level or have come back and gone higher. I think that's that's the main purpose of any academy. And I think his, his lack of ego when it comes to the fact that he He's not bothered if we win things or don't win things. It's always has been shown by how many have actually got there. You know, we know of clubs that have held boys back because they want to be successful, whereas we've let boys go. And, you know, we've had a boy side at Aberdeen in the summer, which is fantastic for us. You know, yes, we've lost out on a good talent, but actually he's gone on to bigger and better things. And it might be a case that one day he needs a loan opportunity and he comes back to the first team. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, about the work he's done and the success that we've had um, or that he's brought in has been really good. I think one of the big things that we, people have seen in the last few months as well was uh, the development and, and I guess the opening of the, the 3G facilities. Um, could you just, you know, fill us in a little bit more on, on that? Obviously, it's a 3G development, but, uh, you know, what's kind of the thought behind the development of that and, and the role it's going to play? Yeah, so with our academy boys, we have them from 16 to 18. So obviously they would be at college and... Um, Historically, we've always run off two different sites. So we've had boys that study a BTEC qualification were based in Guildford and then the boys that studied A-levels were at the uh, Woking College, which was caused us a lot of issues, as you can imagine, with having boys that didn't train together every week. Um, you know, obviously any any football team wants to have boys that are going to play together and train together and you can work on different things, but we never had that opportunity apart from when it came to holidays. Um, but about five years ago, Jane, who um, or Jane Spong, most people, a lot of people at the football club will know, basically had the idea that we could build a 3G at the Woking College with the support of the, the council and the Football Foundation. And after five years, it opened last week. So, you know, it's made such a difference to us to have all the boys on one one area. The actual BTEC boys educate at Westfield Football Club and um, boys and the boys doing A-levels still at the college, but they all train together now, which makes such a big difference. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how big a difference it makes and helps our recruitment as well, because now all of a sudden we've got a facility, which is probably as good as you're going to find in this level. Um, we're also having a brand new kind of uh, office block and uh, communal area and, and change rooms all that built as well so um you know that's for all the support the council and like i say the football foundation so it's the difference is massive and hopefully that'll just help us now get better boys in and produce better players and, and they're also gonna have you know even more of a pool of players to select from yeah definitely it certainly looks like an exciting project for, for everyone really everyone everyone benefits which is great um you're talking about kind of doubts there as well and, and players that come through to the first team i don't think it's always been something that's necessarily been top of mind for um, you know, supporters seeing, seeing academy players come through, really. So w what would you say is the importance of having um, a good academy at a club like Woking? Well, I think, especially with what's going on at the moment, it's it's so important because 
there isn't the selection of players or, you know, as, as we've heard from Dallas doing his, his interviews, he hasn't necessarily got the, the budget that he had last year, which means that we've now got to fill that void by giving him players that he doesn't necessarily need to go and buy or, you know, or lower salaries maybe because they're younger. So, you know, we've seen that with Jaden Wareham and, you know, a few others as well, Leo and Salim and Jaden Hutchins that have all been involved. And, that, that's our job at the end of the day to give him players that so he doesn't have to go and necessarily get a player on loan from an under 23 side he can look at who we've got um, you know and I always say to our boys that a great example was a couple of years ago when we had Toby Edson playing obviously come from Nottingham Forest playing alongside Charlie Esther Cook in midfield who had obviously come out of our academy and they were both obviously playing together so it shows that sometimes that there is players at our level that we can find so you don't necessarily need to go and look at other clubs or other levels um, to find these players. You mentioned quite a few of the players there and a lot of fans will have kind of seen a few of the names from um, pre-season, but, but also from years gone by as well as, as there's been a few kind of creeping into the, the first team squad. Hester Cook's a good example. Um, obviously, we've seen numerous players get minutes under, under Dowsey and, and Martin's management. Um, how important are these opportunities, not just you know for the senior players that you're, you're talking about there that are probably just one step below the first team, but all the way through the age groups to say, look, there, there is a real opportunity to play a really vital part here. Yeah, it's massive because I think, you you know, you look at the, the best clubs in the world, like Chelsea, for example, and they struggled to get their academy players as good as successful as they were. And they won the Youth Cup year after year after year. They couldn't get boys in the first team. And sometimes that's frustrating for players because they look at it and go, well, what's the end goal? So to have to show that it does work and there is success um, and to have examples that boys have gone into that first team and gone higher, you know, Lazar, a few years ago, as an example, on Charlie Carter, then that gives boys the purpose to go, right, this is the club to be at and I'm going to work hard to get in that first team. So hopefully I can, you know, play in front of, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people and then, you know, who knows where I can go from there. So, you know, without having that end goal, sometimes the boys can get a little bit disappointed. But it also works for the players that aren't necessarily getting the opportunities or training with the first team because, it, you know, it shows to them that there, there, there actually is an opportunity to do it. You know, you can bang on about it as much as you want in training, but if people aren't getting in there, then actually you, you kind of bang your head against a brick wall. But when there is an opportunity, and Dallas, you know, we can't be thankful enough to the fact that he lets us do that because there's a lot of other managers that probably won't take boys in at that age and, and put trust in them, but he does. And, you know, that's you know great for us because it helps us make that gel between the first team and boys going in there. And, yeah, I think, again, having Max now around, Max Kretschmar in training, is even more of a soundboard for the players to go to and ask questions and what do I do in this position or how do I get to this stage? And, you know, it's, it's a great um, kind of tool for us to have as well. Yeah, certainly. Um, and it's, it's good to see them kind of, I think there was something over the summer, uh, I think Scott might have done a presentation or put something on social media kind of about, you know, the, the tips for the players in terms of involving themselves with the first team. Um, but obviously it's even better when you've got players like Max in training that have kind of been there and done it and, uh, and are still in that team. So it uh, seems like a really good link, especially from what he was saying as well a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one point I did just want to touch on as well was... Um, how do the academy work with players? I think you kind of have links with colleges and things like this, but also ensuring that there's that education for players kind of off the field as well. I know that there's kind of always a push, I think, in youth football to say, you know, it's great that you're coming through the ranks, but you also need a good education, you know, for, for, for later on in life as well. Is, is that something that, that you guys are involved with? 
yeah, it's vitally important because, you know, there's no, you can't deny the fact that there will be a lot of players that don't make it um, as much as you would love them all to, to get to the top level. Then that's not obviously going to happen. So, we say some of the boys do A-levels and they're quite, they have a, another career path that they're looking at. If it's not for football, you know, we have boys that do accountancy or business studies and stuff like that. And then we have our boys that do our BTEC course, um, which again, they're looking for a career in sport. Um you know, we've had a lot of boys that have gone on to universities in America and played football but still studied, or um, players that have been offered things with us. We've had boys that have been offered first team deals with us before and they've turned it down for education. So, you know, it's important that they do have both things in the back of their mind because you never know what might happen and we don't want them to put all their eggs in one basket and then it not happening and have nothing to fall back on. So, you know, we work with the colleges. If boys aren't doing their work, they don't train, for example. We have to, you know, we, we have that relationship with the college and the same with the, the BTEC boys that we have. Um, you know, they won't play, for example, if they, you know, if they haven't done their, their coursework or they're late for lessons and stuff like that. So, and that's a life lesson, I think, as well. You know, they have to learn that you have to put the hard graft in to get the reward, which is the football in this case. Um, to get the kind of reward at the end, which will hopefully be good results in their A levels or good, um, you know, results in their B Tech course, plus hopefully a, a good football background and an opportunity to go and play and make a bit of money out of the game, whether that be, you know, playing for our first team or higher or maybe step two or step three or even below. But at least they've got both options at the end. One of the things that obviously there's a lot of focus on, you know, teaching the football and teaching the education side of it. One of the other questions that thought might be interesting to dig behind it and see what your thoughts were actually was um when we were talking to, to max a few weeks ago i think he was saying um you know in the latest part of the season he thought he was playing really well and he was uh, really coming into form but he still thought you know kind of social media he was kind of you know getting a few negative messages and that they stood out a lot stronger i think than, than a lot of people praising him um how do you talk to players you know the younger generation that have kind of grown up with social media as well i guess twofold really I mean not a lot of people will be watching the academy game so won't be criticising them there but if they do break into the first team that becomes a consideration and then also the other stuff you know um, you, know, you see players that post things that they shouldn't do um, and, and these players I guess someone's at the top end of the academy will be more and more in the spotlight is that more of a social responsibility that, that the academy has to I don't really know if you can teach it but it's called kind of more of a mentoring role I guess isn't it yeah, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have a chaplain um, in the academy who does a lot of work with our boys that need that extra support away from the actual football side. And we've we've used um, Dave, Dave Everett is a gentleman who does it. We've used him a lot in the past because, you know, there are some times when the boys will not understand why they're not in necessarily in certain games or they're not starting and things like that. And, you know, and of course, there has to be a, a, a real fine line between giving boys loads of opportunities and actually being honest and saying, right, you're not doing enough because there's no point being nicer, nicer, nicer and then putting them in the first team. There has At some point, there has to be that maturity comes in or, you know, and that's part of their development. So, yeah, we've, we've used Dave the Chaplin quite a lot when he's had uh, chats with the boys and explained things and how it works because he's, he's played football himself at a good level. Um, you know, and you say about things like Twitter, we've had that in the past as well. Even at our level, we've had boys put things on social media that we've had to have chats with them about because it hasn't been, um, you know, the right thing to do. And even things like when our boys are in halfway through their lessons and they go into the town to get something to eat and they're wearing their woking gear, you know, and a lot of the supporters probably will see them walking around town and stuff like that. We have to say all the time, you know, you've got to be acting responsible because you've got a badge on your chest that means a lot to a lot of people and you don't want to let them down. So, um, yeah, we, we know that is part of, a massive part of their development as well, is, is teaching them that, that side of it, that they've got to be responsible, that there are going to be knockbacks, there are going to be good times and bad times, and they've got to, 
you know, work hard for the bad times. And then when the good times come, they've got, can't take it for granted. So we always have loads of meetings. We have, you know, at Christmas, we'll have player review meetings. We do that at the end of the year. They'll get reports as well. So they get different feedback like that. You know, we, we video a lot of our games. So they get a lot of feedback like that as well. So sometimes when they come to us and they ask us questions, we can actually use that as feedback as well. Um, but yeah, you know, they are, at the end of the day, like you've seen with Mason Greenwood, they are young. You know, and just because they're 18 doesn't mean they're necessarily mentally 18. <laughs> you know, a lot of the boys might be slightly younger than that. And it, they're learning about life, especially at college. There's a lot of changes going on with them. They've got a bit more independency. And how do they deal with that? And sometimes they can get a, take it for granted and get a bit too big for themselves. Or, or maybe they can find it really hard. And mental health is a massive part of football. You know, we have a lot of boys that struggle with stuff like that with the pressure and, and that. We have to deal with that and, and manage that as well. So, like you say, we've got, we've got Dave Everett who works with us, we've got other coaches. Um, so, we've got a lot of staff to, to help us with that. But, um, yeah, it's certainly a big part of the game that we do away from coaching. Yeah, it's not always one that people instinctively think about, is it? But I think it's almost like the modern academy. It's, it's, it's really interesting to hear more about that. So, thanks for, for, for running through it. We, we put out on Twitter, actually, that we were going to be doing this uh, recording earlier. We've got a couple of questions in from people. Um, we should just run through them now, actually. Uh, Simon Bassett uh, kind of asked about the role of the academy players kind of on first-team match days. I think that, I, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but there's quite an yeah. interesting picture that went viral of, um, I want to say, Callum Hudson-Odoi being a ball boy at Chelsea when Etu scored a hat-trick I think or something and he was kind of celebrating with the ball boy and it turned out to be Hudson-Odoi who then obviously ended up in the first team um is there anything like that that the, the academy will be doing kind of you know having the academy players as ball boys and stuff like that because I think at the moment it goes to local schools but is, is there yeah. anything where where any plans to have them involved on match days and if not do they do stuff behind the scenes that, that people might not see yeah well yeah I saw the question yeah so um in terms of ball boys, the, the problem that we have with our academy is that because they're not paid scholars like they would be in the football league, they obviously only have really weekends to make themselves any bit of money, um, which obviously as young adults, 17, 18 year olds, they obviously need to make themselves some money. Um, so we, we can't really make them become ball boys. But what we do is we do invite them to games and about four or five times a season, we will have them all down to a game and we'll watch the game. And then afterwards, we'll look at different things and say, right, you're a centre-half. How did Ben Guerin defend? In that, you know, and you're a wide player. How did this player you know, play? And we'll look at different roles. And that's something that we always go on about all the time is we, when we're trying to coach our players and develop players, we're not necessarily looking at them to play like Man City or Barcelona. We're looking at how can you do what the first team do, and if not better. So, you know, last year, what does Jake Hyde do a lot of, or what does Ben Guerin do a lot of? And we always look at what they do in the first team. And we also look at a lot of League Two and League One football as well and try and play in, in those certain ways. A lot of academies, a lot of young teams as well. You know, I, I go around and one of my roles is to kind of help coach our own coaches and, and make sure they're doing the right things for the younger age groups. And one of the things that I hear a lot of is how coaches want to play a certain way or a certain brand of football. But actually, the reality is, is that there's only probably three or four teams in the world that play like that. So that you need to necessarily, you need to play a little bit more like you would if you want to in the football league, you know. So League Two, League One, football is a lot different to the Champions League. So, um, you know, we bring the boys down, they come watch a game, they do reviews and stuff like that afterwards and do assessments. Um, obviously, the ball boy situation, we also we do use our youth team players, the, the, like their 14s and 13s and 15s, they'll do some ball boying, but also it's part of them, you know, it's part of what they do in the community as well, where they use local schools, like you say, or local clubs, especially to because it gives them an opportunity to come in, especially if they've never been to a Woken game before. Hopefully, that they might come back again if they have a good time. So, we use the ball boying as that kind of um, initiative as well. 
and I think unfortunately that the next question is kind of slightly COVID related, which we've we've relatively managed to avoid until this yeah. point. But it kind of crops up in every conversation, doesn't it? From uh, Adam Boyer just asking um, if there's any fixtures that have been sorted for the, for the upcoming season, um, and and if any spectators will be allowed. I guess some of that might be unclear at this stage. Um, but I know that there was a good result for the academy a couple of weeks ago against Portsmouth. I think that was, was that a pre-season game. So yeah. the season must be getting close now. Yeah, no. Uh, so the good news is, yes, we can have fans in now. Um, you know, we were obviously struggled at right at the start when we came back because we haven't got lots of staff and we didn't unfortunately have just staff that we could use just to do temperature checks or test and trace and stewarding and things like that, which obviously, you know, we've obviously got a COVID officer at the football club who's in charge of all that, but as an academy, we didn't have the staff. So, but now going into the season, things have come a little bit clearer on how we can do things. So, you know, fans can, can come to our games. We, we play on the Wednesday at home against uh, at Westfield Football Club in the conference and fans can come to that. We play Thursday evenings in the under-23 league and the under-18 league at Napier Football Club and, and fans can come to that as well. And we start that, that league this week. So we've got um, Met Police on Thursday evening. Um, and we've actually got all the shot on Wednesday, first game in the conference, so a big game there as well. So, yeah, fans are more than welcome to attend our home games for definite. Um, we, there's things like they can only pay in, um, you know, if cash has got to go in a bucket or we're looking at apps for testing trades and there are things we're still working on at the moment. So, um, but certainly we will be able to have fans in. We are working with the club to get our fixtures on the website, but, you know, that's something we're really working hard to do and that's something that we've had loads of conversations over the summer about how can we you know, use the football club more and we spoke about the website and using their new scoreboard that they've got for maybe to put some results up at half time of the younger teams um so yeah fans certainly can come along and we we really want to encourage people to do that as well you know we we played obviously Farnborough last Saturday, um, couple of Saturdays ago and I know I appreciate there was obviously a bit of feedback about the team that went out but actually to have 200 supporters there or for Woken fans for our boys was unbelievable and you know I think that's probably the reason why we won that game it was an unbelievable result to go and beat them Two one with with you know to have two seventeen year olds at centre half and a lot of boys that come for our academy to go and be a step three club you know but to have two hundred fans there was was fantastic what, a, what an experience for them so the more fans we can get the better yeah certainly it certainly feels like there's some real momentum on the pitch and uh, and thankfully obviously. It's, it's great that the season's actually allowed to go ahead and it's getting close. Bit of excitement, I'm sure, with games like Aldershot coming up. And it's, it's, I'm sure a lot of the, the listeners actually will be delighted that they can get along to games because um, I know that they've been asking uh, kind of about that in various ways. So, um, And I know that actually as, as part of that, we're going to try and keep people updated every every few weeks on, on the podcast as well, just so people can stay in touch with, with the results from some of the age groups and, and the progression. So I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear from you, Ryan. Um, there'll be plenty of updates, I'm sure. But thank you for, for coming on um, and... Uh, joining us um, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll hear from you pretty soon yeah no problem thank you very much to hear more from Cardscast remember to subscribe via Spotify Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from until next time I've been Jacob Greenwood and thank you for listening <laughs>